Good evening, everyone. It's Dr. Niger again with our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. Uh, as always, another fun and fascinating week of being able to interact with so many people from around the globe. Uh, hopefully, I've gotten back to everybody. Um, appreciate everybody who is coming out from various parts of the country for me to do uh, neuropsych evals on you guys or your family members. Uh, and very humbling because I'm just a guy doing a podcast. Um, on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evenings, and uh, just can't never believed it would take off to this ex- this extent. Uh, for those of you guys who follow the program regularly, you know I do these very organically. Uh, I actually saw someone today from out of state, and then Julie uh, and I just got back from the grocery store, then run into Whole Foods, and you know she's talking to the car like, "What's your topic?" I was like, "Yeah, I don't know." Because these these things usually just kind of pop in my head and 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 come to me. So uh, earlier today, I was listening. As you guys know, I'm a huge uh, admirer and fan of of Bruce Springsteen, and I was listening to uh, the album "The River," and it, it it's a it's one of probably one of his greater albums. Uh, I'd love the chance to meet him someday. Just to have a cocktail and a conversation with him as a, as a friend uh, because I think he has a lot of insight into the human experience. Uh, but it, it got me thinking about the whole notion of the sense of self. Um, Shakespeare said it best when he said, we're all actors and the world is merely a stage. And do we have multiple selves? Yeah. I think I think we do. Uh, I have my my role as a professional, as a neuropsychologist. I have my role as uh, Julie's husband. I have my role as a stepfather. I have my role as a brother, a family member, a colleague. Uh, my role is somebody who who's spiritual. But I think at the, at, at the root of it is our, our, our core sense of who we are. Where does that come from? It comes from our early upbringing. It comes from the early messages that we receive, uh, kind of what's called the law of proximity. The closer someone is in relationship to us, the more impactful, positive or negative, their words, their actions, or lack thereof are going to have a positive or a deleterious impact on our developing sense of self. And I've mentioned this before when I talked about personality and personality disorders, that personality, who that sense of self is, when you think about it, that sense of self is crystallized between five and eight years of age. And that sense of self really extrapolates not just my belief about myself, but my belief about other people, my belief about the world in general, and the conclusions and the therefores that I draw based on that. Now, can this, so, you know, you look at people who've grown up, um, you may have heard of the term like learned helplessness, uh, you know, or you look at eating disorders, um, a lot of times these have their origins back in early childhood from uh, negative messages. You know, if you tell somebody that they're fat enough times and of enough people, even by conventional standards, the person is perfectly within normal body weight and height, um, y- you 
they're eventually going to believe that. Um, you know, especially the developing self is is like a sponge. It it just soaks stuff in, and and words are incredibly powerful. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with um, who've been victims of abuse, and invariably, and I'm generalizing here, but I think invariably people have said, "I'd rather he or she just hit me." Because I could cover up the bruise, I could wear a turtleneck in the summer and make an excuse that I have a cold, but I can't unring the bell of what has been spoken over me. So, the set the sense of self, I think, is fragile, and I, and I'm I'm leaving narcissism out of this 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 topic because that's a disorder I've talked about before, and is as as boastful and as magnanimous as these individuals think they are, they have no sense of self. Their, their sense of self is completely contingent and dependent upon what the other people, what the, what the, what the world and other people give them. So, you know, what, what do we do when the self gets fractured? You know, we, we, we talk about uh, all the time self-esteem, self-esteem, self-esteem. What is it? Is it self-confidence? Yeah, to an extent. Is it self-assuredness? Yeah. Is it... Is it um, if you if you look at the more pathological side, when you look, say, we'll just take depression for example, self, you know, low self esteem uh, is really a person who is uh, self deprecating, um, believing that they, whether it's true or not, they believe and they have the perception that they are not worth anything to themselves to other people, and their self esteem and who they are is really kind of in the toilet. And, you know, is, is there a quick fix for that? No. It's cognitive therapy. It's like a drug medication. But they don't necessarily repair the self. That's a therapeutic issue. So, you know, there's no med for, for self-esteem. But, you know, I think having a healthy level, um, a healthy ego is is appropriate i'm not talking about being egotistical or egocentric ego is kind of you know uh, older clinical term which really is basically the sense of self um but you know it, it the sense of self is also very fragile it's incredibly fragile and it can like i said it can be negatively impacted at any juncture in our lives um Again, going back to that law of proximity, you know, assuming you don't have road rage, you know, somebody cuts you off and, you know, or you cut them off and they swear and they call you a nasty name. Um, the majority of people, I think, are not going to be impacted by that. Um, again, unless, you know, you guys have road rage, but the, the vast majority of people are just going to be like, okay, whatever, move on. But if our partner, if our spouse, if our children, if our colleagues say something in that same vein, it's going to resonate with us much more. And, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. You know, you can get 50 compliments in a day and someone gives you one negative feedback or one negative remark. There's a tendency, I think, we have to forget the 50 and remember the one. I don't, I don't know what clinical term for it, but I think as, as individuals, we are incredibly hard on ourselves. 
And social media certainly doesn't help with this. I, I see it a lot as a diagnostician in my work with, with, with children, and especially adolescents and early teens and young 20s, where they're constantly doing a, a ton of social comparison on social media. And they're looking at their lives and they're looking at the pictures or the, or the stories that other people are posting. And they're, they're, you know, retrospectively looking like, Hey, everybody else has a better. Um, but I, I think there's this, this misnomer that people, I think, post what you want them, what they want you to see. They, you know, they, 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 but I think in the young developing mind, it has a, a, an incredibly powerful impact uh, on, on that sense of self and certainly can, can contribute to uh, questioning, you know, am I right or are they right? Um, you know, whereas the narcissist would never even entertain the possibility that, that they're wrong, um, the vast majority of individuals, with or without a psychiatric condition, certainly, uh, I think, take a step back and be like, huh, wonder why they said that. Uh, you know, and, and, and some people cope differently with, with, with self-esteem issues. They may, they may get, you know, Botox. They may get complete makeovers. They may be going to the gym. They may be exercising excessively. They may be trying to overcompensate, which is is an Illyrian term. Uh, maybe overcompensating for whatever perceived deficits and, and, and further their education. But there's also, I think, the flip side where you can take a, a more negative route where maybe you're contemplating suicide. Maybe you're self-medicating with drugs or alcohol, self-injurious behaviors. If you think about self-injurious behaviors is damage, damaging the self. And you, know, you look at the self as kind of a, a nebulous construct, uh, because you know where does this part? There's no part of the brain that is the self. Um, so I think it's it, it, it's it's more of a psychological construct than an actual physical neurological component. But all of us have selves. All of us have an identity, and it's powerful when you to. It is, I encourage people to protect that identity, to not give away your peace to other people. I think a lot of people give their peace away and live their lives at the behest of other people, almost to the point, and you see this a lot in borderline pathology, of living your life as a chameleon, constantly looking for that validation from other people, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting, and I think the, one, of the, one of the fundamental mistakes that we all make is we assume, we can all know what assume stands for, but we, can all, we all assume that other people are right. We assume that other people, if they make a comment about us, especially if we're looking at it from this perspective in the negative vein, that they're right. Entertain the other possibility that they may very well be wrong. Just because somebody says something to you does not mean that there's truth to it. And I've seen people just become embodied by messages. Now, it's a little different if you say you grew up in an abusive household and you're hearing these negative messages and you're witness, witnessing stuff. And it's just coming at you from all corners. Yeah, okay, it kind of makes sense that, you know, the, the older version of that individual is definitely going to be affected by it. But here's the interesting thing when you talk about trauma. Trauma is such a subjective thing. Two people can witness the same event or have the same event happen to them and have completely different reactions. So not everybody who's had a traumatic experience has PTSD. 
there's very specific diagnostic criteria for uh, or the, the, the new diagnosis that's just like like micro PTSD is acute stress disorder, but not but tr- not everybody has trauma. And there's so much overlap, and why I'm such a staunch proponent of of recommending that people get full neuropsych valve so we can delineate what's there and what's not there. Now, um, in in a test like the Rorschach, and you get into the projective test, that's really able to really flesh out uh, one of the dimensions that it measures is self-perception of how does an individual view themselves. And the thing about... Um, well, not so much the neuro piece, but but the psych piece of testing is uh, that's subject to change. That is who an individual is at that moment in time, based on their their cumulative experiences and and, and perceptions and words spoken over them and whatnot. But if you get good treatment and you're you're getting good psychotherapy, uh, maybe on the right medication, best combination is you know consistently proven over and over again: CBT. Cognitive therapy, psychotropic medication has the b- b- best efficacy for all the psychiatric disorders. But, you know, it, it, it's subject to change. That's an important message I want to get across is if you're feeling that way now, look at it from perspective. That's how you feel now. So I'm, if I'm speaking to a population that has is questioning their self-esteem, and I think we all do. I think we all question ourselves. I think it's good to question ourselves. I think it's good to, you know, to admit and acknowledge our flaws because you, you can't change anything until you become aware of it. Couples therapy 101. You can't hold a partner accountable for something if you don't first make them aware of it. So, I mean, having an honest conversation with yourself and looking at if, if your self-esteem is low, spend some time looking at how did you get there? It may help if you can kind of take this, you just, you know what the feeling is. You know what the feeling is like to feel not great about yourself, to feel down about on yourself, to feel uh, unworthy, um, un- unlovable, a whole, un whatever, add whatever word you want on, on, on the back of that. But spend some time in looking at where that, that, that's learned behavior. It's, again, it's learned behavior that has come from somewhere. That has come from somewhere to alter your perception of who you are. And, and the beauty is you are the architect of your life. That yes, it may be, it's not, it may not happen overnight. You, you know, you're not going to, you know, you know, the genie in the bottle. You're not going to just, you know, again, no magic pill, but you know, this is the whole process from a cognitive behavioral perspective called cognitive restructuring. Where you're basically taking these irrational beliefs, these mistaken assumptions, these cognitive distortions, and you're challenging challenging them and replacing them with more adaptive, healthier thoughts. So you hear like terms like like there's negative self talk. There's also positive self talk. You know, Julie likes the movie. What is it? Stewart says his family. What does he say? I'm good enough. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And dong on it, people like me. All right, that's you know. I think that's more on the little on the hokey end, but you know, positive self talk uh, is much harder to do. I think than negative self talk. That seems to come to us much easier. What am I? What am I not good at? What did I? What did I screw up today? What did I fail at today? What did I not accomplish today? What did I not check off my list? We're overly hard on ourselves, and you know. And then when you factor our own 
um, I don't know what the word I would use, our own, our own impact of, of our cognitions on our sense of self, coupled with the 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 responses and the feedback and the behavior of others really can do a number on people. And I, you know, I, I've seen people in, in in such such extreme despair. And you know, it, it could be a partner, it could be a husband, it could be a wife, it could be a child, it could be anybody that you're in a relationship with. Again, with that self being so fragile, it's 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 important that you protect that. It's important that you look at the people who are in your lives. Are they adding value to your life? Are they are they are they creating a safe space? Are they creating happiness? Do you feel better when you're around them? Um, you know, it it it, it it's not everybody can just like pick up and move because you know Julia said this you know many times. I don't know if she said it on the podcast, but I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great quote. Wherever you go, there you are. You know, people think, you know, different zip codes, same problems, you know, so running away isn't always the best answer, but some people feel that they, they, that they need that. And I'm sure there's some people that probably have benefited from such endeavors, but, you know, speaking back to the sense of self, you know, as, as parents, uh, if you guys have kids realize, you know, these, these developmental years and these formative years are, are crucial and it's scary. In the United States, you have to be 18 or 16 to drive. Uh, you gotta be 21 to have alcohol, uh, 18 to vote, but you don't have any, we don't have any requirements of what do you do in raising children? You know, so, it, you know, in, in our profession, we see, we see the impact of it. We don't necessarily see it while it's going on, but we, you know, when someone's sitting across from me, you know, it kind of makes sense, uh, whatever their diagnostic picture is, it makes sense, um, if self-esteem is, 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 is a factor. And again, I, I'm not talking about bipolarity where someone's euphoric and I'm not talking about narcissism because that's completely separate and self-esteem is very, conceptualized very differently in, in, in those, those types of disorders. Um, and I think self-esteem and sense of self is also impacted by just mental health in general. That, you know, one of the main goals of this podcast is to legitimize mental health, give it the same parity as physical conditions, but also to instill a sense of hope, uh, to instill a sense of, 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 of being able to overcome whatever it is that you're struggling with. Um, because helplessness, hopelessness, uh, those are precursors for 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 suicide. Uh, hopelessness being the the number one. Um, but you know you can you you can reclaim yourself. You can reclaim who you are. You can reinvent who you are, independent of what age. This is the beauty, and this is this is the power of 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 of, of psychology and of just you know. You don't. If if you're a version of yourself that you don't like, you can change it. But again, it's not a quick fix. You have to be uncomfortable. Say, I'm tired of thinking, feeling, and acting this way before any true change and lasting change would ever take place. But you know, so if 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 you're someone who's struggling with self-esteem issues, if you're struggling with you know just general sense of you know, if, if it's a more like existential question of like who am I, where do I belong. 
those are great questions, but there are avenues like psychotherapy and cognitive therapy to help you in, 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 in reversing that and giving you a whole new outlook. And the analogy I like to use is like therapy is like taking off your glasses. I'm going to redo the prescription and put a new, a new pair on. So you see yourself, you see your other people, you see the world differently, hopefully in a healthier, more adaptive way. So, you know, I think this time of year and during the pandemic, why you see such a huge rise in mental health from my perspective is people, you know, we were forced to be with ourselves. You know, we weren't driving anywhere. Restaurants were closed. And I'm talking like the throngs of the pandemic. I don't know if we're still in one. If we're not, no one knows what's going on. Um, but I think it gave a lot of people time for uh, uh, an unnecessary, necessary pause, if that makes any sense. And people started, couples started to look at the relationships for better or for worse. They started to pay more attention to their kids and noticing problems that they, you know, just maybe were glossing over, didn't realize were there. Uh, and they also spent time with themselves. And spending time with ourselves is not always the most enjoyable thing, especially if you're hurting. Especially if you're hurting from the sense of, I'm not a good enough person. I'm not a good enough spouse. I'm not a good enough provider. Um, again, figuring out where those messages came from is is definitely important. But, you know, bells can't be unrung, but you can also start to ring new bells. And if you ring new bells, you hear different sounds. And you can hear more pleasing sounds. And sounds that aren't going to impact you in a negative way. So... You know, the sense of self really trans, really just, I think it covers the entire diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders. Uh, all of us have a sense of self. All of us have an ideal, and I think a lot of us have an ideal sense of self. Uh, and I think there's a lot of people who don't even believe that they can be a different version of themselves because, you know, it's like repetition compulsion, just doing the same thing over and over again because you're so used to it. And we are creatures of habit. Um, yeah, the pandemic made us all just kind of, you know, stop and and take a break for a second from the just the just the day to day to day to day stuff. Um but, you know, it's really important if you're struggling with self-esteem that, again, I've said this earlier, you can overcome that. You could, you, 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 but, you know, you also have to look at it again. Look at the people that you're, that are in your lives. Are they, are they adding any benefit to it? Are they, are they contributing anything that's positive? And are you being impacted negatively by people? And if you are, maybe it's time to take a step back and re reevaluate those relationships, independent of what they are, intimate, platonic, professional, personal, just familial. Um, and sometimes people who, love, who, who are supposed to love us are the ones that hurt us. That's how, that's how the world works, you know? And some people... Um, who are supposed to give us love and affirmation and attention and, and build us up. Sometimes they do the complete opposite and tear it down, tear us down. Um, and some people just don't have the ability maybe to even have the capacity to show that to another person. So uh, it, it, the sense of self is very much connected to, um, was it, was a Woody, was a Woody Guthrie? Um, I think Carl Jung had talked about this. Um, you know, you think that the sense of self, this is on a more existential level, you know, are, are we just 
individual souls or are we part of one larger soul? I don't know. Food for thought. Um, but I, I, again, I wanted to bring this topic up because uh, it, it, it's pervasive in pretty much everything that I come across, uh, and certainly a dimension that is significantly impacted by mental health. Because if you're struggling with mental health, that means it's you. And it's very important, and I've said this in other podcasts, whatever you have, it's something you have, it's not something you are. Do not over-identify with any psychiatric condition. Um, you can overcome stuff, but it does take work. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes diligence. It takes practice. But you can reclaim yourself. So if you're in a mood state that you don't like, you can do something about it. Stop giving away your peace to other people. Stop assuming that other people are always right. Stop giving people control and power over you, independent of what what position or relationship they are to you. Um, not again, easier said than done. But again, nobody can fix you but you. Nobody can undo the hurt except you. Can we erase the past? No. But can we put it in a nice box and stick it in the closet and never look at it again? Yeah, there's ways to do that. It's called therapy. Um, Julie, want to say anything? Julie's <clears throat> putting away the groceries, so I'm just she'll leave me on my own today. So I, I just wanted to bring up this topic because it's really important. Um, I've heard this just over the last week, I think, and, and really listening to the to the River album. Oh, here's Julie. Sorry, I'm only going to take two seconds. Cord said something about taking the box out and. It, or putting that box away, whatever it is that you want to avoid, avoidance, um, something unpleasant. I think it's more about putting the box somewhere, but knowing how to take the box out. If you need to take the box out, look at things. Because as time goes on, as, as, as people are in treatment, they feel different and they get stronger and they can look at that box in a different way. Um, it's kind of like that T.S. Eliot po poem. Uh, I think it's the last stanza in cu the couplets. Um, anyway, it's like, um, I'm going to fall on my face with this one. But And at the end of all of our travels is to arrive from where we started and know the place for the first time. I think that's what therapy is all about. It's all about we can't shake who we are, but we can reevaluate things and change our life. Um, but to just be dismissive and say, throw that in a box and see you later, I don't think is very helpful in therapy. I think people get stronger because they're able to look at things more objectively as they get really in therapy. I mean, you have to do the work, um, but it's so possible. People can heal. That's it. Sorry. Well, I'm, thank you. I wasn't saying just put, put it in the box and don't pretend never happened but don't don't put the box and if, if you take the boxes use trauma for example don't put the box on on your ottoman that you walk past and see it every day so if you look at the i, I like using a lot of metaphors so everybody has boxes you know i have a box of pain of losing my mother i have a box of pain of losing my father take those for example i can't undo those events but those are in my closet, metaphorically, okay? I know that they are there. 
I'm not denying their existence, but I'm not looking at them every day, especially if it's something that, 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 that's painful. So we're not, I'm not saying ignore the past, but, you know, if it's bothersome, you know, metaphorically, or sometimes I've done this with patients physically, you know, write all your different traumas down and stick it in a box in your closet. Again, you're not denying that it, 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 it occurred, but you have to be at the right place at the right point with the right provider who knows what to do and when to, when to have you bring that box out. So, I don't know how I got on boxes. Do you? I don't know. Anyhow, hopefully I was able to shed some light on the sense of self, um, uh, the fragility of it, but also the power that can come with it and how you can reclaim yourself and, and, and any, anybody, any, everybody can get out of whatever rock they're under. Doesn't matter what position you're in. Doesn't matter where you are in the world. Individuals are incredibly resilient, and uh, we can't stop the world from coming at us. We can't control what other people do, what other people say, what mama didn't give us, what daddy didn't give us. Maybe they just didn't have it to give, but we can certainly, and we are definitely entitled to live a happy, peaceful uh, life, and you know... Again, the sen- the self, I think I was started earlier, the, the self is very connected to the world in general. It very much is because as humans, we are social, interactional creatures. And not every interaction that we're always going to have is going to be rosy, is going to be, is going to be peaceful, is going to be whether it's with a store clerk, whether it's with a family member, whatever. It's really important to take a step back and say, I'm not going to allow this in. I'm not going to allow this to impact me. And entertain the possibility that if somebody is in your life that is saying negative things and you are really embodying them and embracing them and assimilating them into who you are as a person, into your sense of self, take a step back and just question, there's a good chance they might be wrong. So until next week, guys... Be well, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. Um, feel free to get a hold of me at psychology unplugged at outlook.com. You get a hold of me through psychology today. Uh, my cell phone number 617-750-9411. Uh, text me, call me anytime. That's why I give my cell phone number out. I, people are so surprised when I pick up or when I call. I'm passionate about doing this. I, I, I said I do my modest version of God's work. Uh, hopefully, uh, Jewel and I are making an impact because, uh, you, know, you know, for the grace of God, I never feel like I'm working. I just it's just like second nature to me and I I'm truly humbled and blessed by how many followers we have and and uh grateful for so many people who are coming out uh and I again if I haven't gotten to you or if I haven't gotten to a topic that you have suggested uh I have a list uh just shoot me a text remind me I will get to whatever topics you guys want to want to learn about and get more information about and I really appreciate your time and uh Be well. Okay? Bye, guys.